Welcome to A Twist of Fate, a podcast about life's ups and downs and what we take away from them. This show aims to create empathy and connection in our increasingly virtual world. I'm your host, Bea Gutierrez. Thanks for listening. Luigi works as a psychotherapist, helping clients from all walks of life navigate their own personal challenges. In this episode, we explore the intricacies of providing emotional support for others while at the same time taking care of your own mental health. This is Luigi's story. Okay, so Luigi, can you explain for the listeners what you do for a living? Of course. Um, first of all, thanks for having me, Bea. Um, this is exciting. Uh, it's my first podcast interview, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, so my name's Luigi. I work as a psychotherapist for a startup company called Cerebral. Um, I guess just something, you know, like a fun fact about the company I work for, they recently hired Simone Biles um, wow. to be their ch- chief impact officer, um, wow. which is also which is interesting because uh, Prince Harry also was hired as a chief impact officer at Better Up. At Better Up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're noticing like kind of this this shift towards uh, mental health, kind of you know um, shifting into the mainstream, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, I work as a psychotherapist for them. Um, I'm licensed in New York State. That's kind of a quick intro as to what I do. That is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Can you share more about your career path? You know, I know that you've had um, some different uh, types of uh, jobs in the past, mm-hmm. and I, I'd love to for you to kind of share your journey to where you are now. And how did you finally realize that therapy was what you wanted to do? Thanks for that question. I, I'd love to share that. It actually comes a lot in a lot of my sessions with my clients when they're curious. I come from a family of primarily physicians, so mm-hmm. I'm already kind of used to and grew up around the healthcare field. Um, kind of, there was an expectation, uh, you know, just throughout my youth and as I've gone through with my education to pursue medicine. Um, it was just kind of one of those things where I didn't really question it. It was just more of like, this is what I know. So this is what I do. You know, I eventually went to medical school in the Philippines, which is where I grew up. First of all, like going into medicine, I was very hesitant. I was also very naive and young. I didn't really know much outside of, you know, the confines of my environment and my exposure. I was 23 24 during that time and I just wasn't it just wasn't I wasn't interested Mm -hmm. you know I had no interest at all it wasn't um engaging to me um and then I think I I did it I I did it mostly from resentment I guess resentment towards what right but it's like resentment I guess towards feeling forced to do something but that's also interesting because at the end of the day, yes, you could have all these external pressures, like say by my own family and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I I internalized that. I didn't have to be there. 
I didn't have to pursue medicine if I didn't want to, but I felt like I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I needed to to please whomever it may be. Um, so, you know, like as I kind of reflected throughout those two years, if this was really what I wanted to do, um, I took a leave of absence um, after my second year of medicine and gave myself a year to kind of collect myself, exhale, like, take, you know, take, take a breath and just, uh, you know, like um, not be sleeping three to four hours a night and studying all day, every day. Um, there was also a lot of like crazy things that happened in my personal life um, during that time. So that kind of expedited the process. But um, so then I was lost. And this this is like the part that I actually find to be pretty helpful in my work as well, is that everyone has their own timeline. So my whole 20s, I was I was very lost. When I left med school, I feel like I lost my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who am I if I'm not a doctor? All of a sudden, I was grappling with this notion that I was not going to be Dr. Luigi Exconde anymore, MD. Um, and so who is that? So I, I tried so many different careers. I went back to the school, actually. I went back to community college to retake some classes. Um, I thought I wanted to do physical therapy, still healthcare related. So I worked at a clinic for a year. I I enjoyed it, but truthfully, what I enjoyed the most was really the interactions. Um, I loved getting to know uh, the patients and them just sharing to me whatever it may be, their life story, highs or lows. And that was really what um, spoke to me. And what I was mostly excited about, um, I hopped around from place to place. I actually, uh, I couch surfed. I slept in my best friend's couch for three months in Seattle, hoping to get an entry level job at Microsoft. The woman I'm dating, who I've been dating for almost ten years now, actually, she lives in New York. Well, she had moved to New York, where she's partly from. And I told myself, if I don't get a job by August of twenty. 17, I'm going to move to New York. Mm. So I did. I moved to New York. I worked several jobs. I was a dog walker, dog sitter, after school math tutor. I was just trying. I was really just exploring. I was, but at all, I was, you know, I was exploring, but it was also a struggle. I was so frustrated of like, why is it that I don't know what I want to do with my life? I was was so frustrated. I was comparing. Mm -hmm. I was criticizing myself. Um, and then I worked at this, uh, I I was hired full time to do sales for this, uh, healthcare marketing startup company. Um, and that was my first kind of like high pressure job. You know, it, it, it played to, to my strengths. I, I like, I, I'm a talker. Um, I connect with people. So, um, in that sense, like I, I was good enough i guess for the job where like i i I was able to tolerate it i guess is the word i'm gonna use um did i believe in it no i'll be honest i was there for a year and eventually um i was actually let go um after a year and uh just you know didn't meet quota that sort of thing um which was actually premature because i was already planning to leave um two months after i was let go so that gap of uh, all of a sudden having free time 
I decided to, you know what, I, I, I want to just like dive in to the things that I've always been fascinated by, interested in. I got into jujitsu. I got into surfing. I started therapy, started my own work, which was met by a lot of resistance from myself. Um, mm. I was like, I was encouraged by my partner to seek therapy, but I was, you know, I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. Which is the classic kind of like resistance also to the therapy. Yeah. Um, there's nothing really like wrong with me. So like, why? I don't I, like, and she encouraged me, like, I think you would benefit from it. Um, you know, there's just probably some things that uh, you haven't looked at. Um, you know, I felt very stuck. That's for sure. Um, so I did. I gave it a shot. It was very foreign to me. I didn't know. I was like, you know, I sit there and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like, what do I even say? Like, you know, I, I don't even know how this, how does it even go? Um, but, you know, I I was open to it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of beautiful things begin is just being open. You're listening to A Twist of Fate. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe to get alerted when new episodes are released. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. Let's get back to it. And for some weird reason, like, it's not even weird, but like, naturally, things just started falling into place. It probably is a combination of my past, um, my present, which is I have now gone through a lot of things in my relatively short, like, 27 years of life, um, good things and bad things. I was really focusing on myself and not thinking so much about uh, like externalities what other people want of me what society you know what i want to be seen by society like what whatever it is and i went inward i learned so many things about myself through therapy i have complicated relationships with you know with some family members that i had to work on um how does that you know reflect on me and how i treat my you know relationships as well um identity who am i um all of these things and i i always kind of like found psychology and the and human behavior fascinating so i asked my therapist like i was like hey i I actually want to i think i want to do this like i think i want to do this for 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 work yeah and she encouraged me and you know that leads me to today and i still really it's tough work but i i share this and it's genuine and authentic i love what i do um and it's weird to say to say that because when i was in med school and say and when i was doing sales i hated what i was doing maybe it wasn't even medicine or sales or anything but maybe i maybe i hated myself i don't know you know like that's like my own journey but right now like it does feel like I'm in a better place. And I think aligning my values to my actions made a world of difference. So that's kind of like my journey. Um, first of all, thank you so much for for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know we've known each other our whole lives, but <laughs> some of these things, you know, um, I just would have wouldn't have known about you un- mm-hmm. unless we had this kind of conversation. So, um, so thank you. Uh, I think, you know, a couple of things stood out to me from what you shared. I think one was 
pressure from family. You know, we were both Filipino. We grew up mm-hmm. um, in a more traditional, like Asian setting. So um, I think it's really funny. Like people make jokes about it all the time. Like Filipinos mm-hmm. become, you know, nurses, doctors. Mm-hmm. That's, like that's all you're allowed to become when you grow mm-hmm. um, when you grow up. And so I can I can definitely empathize. It you know it didn't happen for me personally, but mm-hmm. um, that's that's definitely something that is common amongst mm-hmm. um, amongst Filipinos and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's really awesome that your own personal experience with therapy was, is, is what you, um, go back to. So, you know, mm-hmm. y- your own sort of like starting off with resistance, not mm-hmm. really knowing, is this, is this something that would actually help me? Mm-hmm. And then having that change your, um, change your mind, uh, and then mm-hmm. actually diving in and, and doing that yourself. I think it's just, um, such a special special type of story. So, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, you previously, um, before your role as a therapist at this startup, you had a job working for the U S uh, veterans affairs department. Mm-hmm. Can you share, you know, what was that experience like working with veterans? Mm-hmm. Were there some things that were unexpected or surprised you about that? Yeah, of course. Um, that was a great experience. I wanted to work at uh, with the VA. Um, mm-hmm. So my second year of grad school, so both years we have to do a, a year-long internship. Uh, so my second year, I, I applied for and got a very competitive um, position with uh, the outpatient mental health clinic of mm-hmm. uh, the Manhattan branch of uh, the Veteran Affairs. And, um, that was intimidating, uh, you know, being this 20, what, nine year old, uh, kid who has never served, um, in the military who, uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, like a lot of my caseload. So a lot of my, my clients slash patients were much older than I was. And I, I, um, equate, you know, people like just people that are older to also be people that have much more wisdom. So in that sense, I, I was very intimidated. It's like, what, what, what do I even have to offer? Right. Like, um, what do I even know? Like, you know, they should be the ones, um, you know, teaching me the ways or not even teaching. Cause it's like, that's not what we're here for, but it, it, it's, what I've learned through my few years of uh, so far of you know doing this work is that it becomes this mutually beneficial thing where that I actually do learn a lot about myself um, the same way they probably learn a lot, a lot about themselves by examining because that's what really we're here to do. We're here to guide and help people look at themselves in the mirror, which is very uncomfortable for a lot of us. Yeah. A lot of us um, through the years, you know. Um, we, we put on these masks, we put on these, um, you know, a show for, you know, for public, cause we're, su- we're supposed to be a certain way, act a certain way, like to our friends, family, coworkers, whatever it may be. So when I started there, yes, very intimidating. Um, and I, you know, first few sessions with some of the veterans, I was met with resistance as well. I was working with this one veteran who in her in her first initial session alone 
he he goes, I want to work with um, someone that's much older than you are, someone that um, has potentially served or at least understands, um, you know, like what it was like during the Vietnam era. Um, and, you know, you weren't even born during that time. You never even served. So the way I responded to that was through, um, you know, humility and just kind of like, you are right. Uh, I, you know, I I wasn't around during Vietnam. So what I know is what I hear from people or what I read. That's the extent of my knowledge. And you're right, I've never served. Um, my, fa- my, my father, you know, was in the in the Philippines, uh, he served in the Philippine military. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like my reference point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I am young. I am a civilian. I've never served. I am an intern. Cause that was one of the things he was uh, concerned by as well. Me being an intern, you know, I, I want to know, you know, so it's kind of like meeting that resistance with humility and, and I guess empathy that like, because, a lot of the a lot of the veterans I was working with is this feeling of being misunderstood. The Vietnam era population, especially, did not have the type of, and we're still not at the level where we want to be at. But they did they did not receive any type of mental health care. And the thing is also, and I learned this also from the veterans, is that they were scorned by the U.S. So upon their homecoming, they were the villains. They were evil, kind of like. How could you? You experience all of these atrocities, these traumas, and then you come back to America and then you're, you know, derided for it. So there's, there's, you know, there's so many things like I could, I could keep going on forever, but th- that's like one thing that stood out to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you shared it a little bit that, you know, they have certain types of trauma from mm-hmm. being it from, from having gone through that experience, mm-hmm. which I, would assume leads to some challenging mm-hmm. patient situations, right? Mm-hmm. Like definitely in, in the work that you have now, you're dealing with young professionals mm-hmm. who work in tech, most mm-hmm. likely mm-hmm. Um, who have a different set of challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's really interesting to kind of hear about mm-hmm. what, um, what might be unique about yes. veteran situation and, and mm-hmm. how much, um, how much more you might have to unpack and unwind mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting gears a little bit, sure. you know, I, you've been doing this for, for some time now. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's tough work. It, mm-hmm. You have to carry the emotional, um, burden of, of listening to these stories day in and day out. You have a number of patients every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how do you process what, how do you kind of end your day and, and try to get back into the into the right mindset, um, only to do it all over again the next day. Like, I'm curious, it, it must be, um, it, it must have been an adjustment at first, but can, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, great question. Thank you for asking that. It's very important, um, I would say, to ask that of clinicians. Um, it's, uh, it's a constant adjustment, I would say, is something that I learned. You know, like, this is applicable to any situation. Um, whomever you may be, whatever experience you may have. But it's really, um, life is dynamic. Life is fluid. It's always changing, right? So what works for me now may not have worked for me last year and may not work for me next year. So, um, you know, there was 
not even pr- pretty pretty recently, um, I was taking on uh, way too many clients, um, and I thought I could handle it, but I noticed it was it it was uh, taking a lot out of me. Granted, I am a newer clinician, so I'm still developing kind of boundaries. We like to use this this term a lot mm-hmm. in in our work. You know, I've developed boundaries with say uh you know personal with my personal life like family and friends it's like mm-hmm. kind of i would say these are usually the first people we'll create boundaries with and then the heart the, the part that i struggle with this is why it's also important to like just kind of notice what what it what you know what are the things that you have more difficulty with and this and that and that anyway for me it's professional boundaries i say yes to like as long as I can and have time for it, I will say yes. Um, but what that ends up doing is that takes that takes from you. So if we, we all have a finite amount of energy, we have we all have to work. We all have um, you know like errands and whatnot. We we gotta let you know we want to um, stay in touch with our friends or family. Some like you know hobbies too. Um, so anyway, for me. Um, first of all, I noticed that. So I was like, what are the signs? Um, I noticed that I started kind of having anxiety, um, before sleeping because I was just like, oh my gosh, I have a long week ahead of me. Um, I don't really feel well rested. I didn't really do much for myself because I'm tired. I'm emotionally kind of drained. So then because I'm mentally drained, I'm kind of like not in the mood to, see friends or to like do the things that I know fills my cup I actually spent a couple days like talking to colleagues and like kind of writing (laughs) writing out like you know what what I was doing with my time and I did notice that like I was spending a lot of time working and then because I was so tired I was just like I wanted to just kind of rest going back to what I mentioned earlier about my journey I I have my like after work self-care type of like you know routine which is like i go to jiu-jitsu that's my haven you know there's so many like we could go into so many like i'll I'll actually talk about one thing it's called the six domains of self-care um and like physically i have jiu-jitsu and climbing and whatnot yoga i actually do yoga um and sleep is a big one so i noticed i wasn't really getting much sleep either um so i wanted to like really like refocus on getting a good like good consistent sleep um like tapping into your spirituality uh i feel like that was kind of like waning a little bit um i'm someone that loves the outdoors i'm from california like yourself bea um i live in new york city and we're in the middle of winter and this is something that's like a a thing in these like northeast or like places where there's long winters um it like gets to you yeah it's a it's a balance like at one point jujitsu was doing it for me and then at another point it wasn't enough anymore so it's like I noticed I wasn't seeing friends. So it's like you're like you're you're paying attention. You're being mindful of like the balance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that you kind of shared the the sort of six tenets of self care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and even even having a framework to mm-hmm. think about where there might be some gaps in the different areas or mm-hmm. pillars of how mm-hmm. 
how you recharge, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not having, and, and jujitsu might fulfill one of them, but mm-hmm. that, that might not necessarily give you the social um, mm-hmm. aspect as much mm-hmm. uh, or, or spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I like that you, you approach it with a little bit more of a holistic mm-hmm. um, mindset, which is, which is really good. Oh yeah. Um, so um, wrapping up here, Luigi. Okay. What is one thing that you would like listeners to take away from hearing about your experience? So like the biggest takeaway I do, I want to impart onto the audience would be it's okay to ask for help and reach out to others. You know, Uh, there's so many, but then we'd be talking for like five hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, um, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Luigi. Um, This has been just such a such an eye opening conversation for me. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Um, And so, yeah, I um, am excited to be able to to share your story and and all of the great nuggets that um, you were able to chat about today. So thank you. Thanks, Bea. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Um, hopefully, we can do it again some point in the future. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. You're listening to A Twist of Fate. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.